0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies.
2: Hey there, Options Action fans. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from the NASDAQ market site in New York. We've got a busy show coming your way. Here's what's on deck.
1: Order up. Mike Coe is licking his chops as this restaurant stock gets ready to report earnings. Just don't fill up on the endless breadsticks. He's laying out a real appetizing trade. Plus, the chart master says when the chips are down, you buy some more. Why Carter Worth sees a breakout building for one semi-name. And later, red alert. Tony Zhang is flagging some downside in the defense stocks. How he's protecting himself from the fallout. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now.
2: Let's get right to it. The semi-trade getting fried today. The Sox ETF dropping nearly 2%. But Carter says one chip is about to rip. Carter, take it away.
3: You bet. Before looking at the charts, what we do know is bad week. Transport's down, industrials down, banks down, most sectors down. Semis up on the week. The Philadelphia Semiconductor Index putting in a green week. Let's look at a few charts and then look at Xilinx. The first, a five-year comparative chart. An important semiconductor stock, XLNX, Xilinx versus the semiconductor index, and you can see there, of course, how much Xilinx has lagged, one being up 325 versus 190. Take a look at the 10-year chart. It's even more a substantial lag. You're talking about the stocks being up 755 percent, Xilinx up only 385. But now look at the six-month comparative chart. The colors flip. On a six month basis, and this is what relative performance is all about, Xilinx has doubled the performance of the SOX index. So that brings us to the last two charts. The first of the two last ones, a comparative chart. Take a look. On top is Xilinx. You can see the well defined formation. We're approaching the former high. But on the bottom is relative performance to the index of which it's a constituent. A gradual orderly bottoming out process has been outperforming since April. And the final chart is just a textbook set up for a breakout. We've returned to the former high. The presumption is we exceed the high we break out. Buyers of XL
2: at X. All right. Well, Carter said it very clearly, Mike. So what's the trade?
4: Yeah. So, uh, you know, Xilinx is, of course, an interesting case, right, because it's an acquisition uh, target. There was a deal announced last October with AMD. It's an all-stock deal. So unlike all cash deals, you know, typically you'll see the stocks trade very close to the offer price. Uh, this one obviously is going to track AMD, and it did earlier, but that stopped several months ago. And I think there were probably some antitrust concerns. They have approval from the EU, the approval from the U.S., but of course they wanted approval also from the Chinese regulators there have been some signs that that's going to get resolved and of course that's a real benefit for Xilinx the share price because the deal is for 1.72 shares and right now it's trading at a fairly significant discount so it's going to track AMD but it's trading at a discount uh to AMD shares and assuming the deal closes, which it's scheduled to do by the end of the year, that should be a benefit. And the reason they're acquiring the company is also a positive, they're tied to the right segments, right? They're tied to cloud, they're tied to communications. We've got the five G rollout all of these are the reasons why the company was attractive to amd and it should probably be attractive to investors as well all of that said amd is a reasonably volatile stock so is xilinx the options are relatively expensive the deal is expected to close in december i was looking out to december at the december 155 calls those were relatively close to at the money when i was looking at that earlier today those were trading for a little over thirteen dollars and then selling the october 22nd weekly 165 calls against it for three dollars and seventy five cents net net that ten dollar wide diagonal i'd be spending nine dollars and fifty cents note by the way that that shorter dated call is going to expire the week prior to xilinx announcing earnings which obviously is going to have an impact on both amd and xilinx as we would expect but the idea here is try to reduce the expense i'm obviously aware that there is a fairly big discount i always want to keep an eye on that just in case it means something But, you know, that is also the real potential tailwind once uh, the clearance of that acquisition goes ahead.
2: Tony, what are your thoughts on this trade?
4: Yeah, so this is an
0: interesting one, because as Mike said, this is not just a play on semis, but also a probability on the deal going through. And as Mike said, this Xilinx currently is trading at a fairly substantial discount to the AMD conversion price, which comes out to about $178 as of today's closing price, which is about a 15% discount at the moment. So that's pretty significant in terms of a discount. Now, if we put that aside and if we look at Xilinx, the business is quite strong. We're looking at about 20% revenue growth here. And the fact that the stock broke out above that $150 level that Carter referenced, that is constructive for further upside here, especially since it's outperforming semis over the last three months quite strongly. Now, using a diagonal spread like Mike is using, I think is smart, especially since he's paying less than the vertical width. He's paying $9.50 for a $10 wide vertical spread or vertical width so that um, if if we do see uh, the Chinese regulators approve this, we would likely see Xilinx jump right up. To that roughly 178 dollar level or where amd is trading at that point point. and so this is really one that i think is quite constructive for the upside perhaps um we might want to adjust the short strike a little higher if for those investors that think that this could jump very quickly and get that approval in the short run but uh like a, like mike said this is designed to be approved in december so i think that he should be safe for that october expiration
2: Yeah, I mean, Mike, the discount is interesting in terms of potentially offering clues on whether or not this deal closes or whether investors believe so. Um, Are you seeing activity in the options market uh, that would indicate a bet either way?
4: Yeah, I mean, so this is an interesting situation, right? Because there's sort of a bigger dynamic going on. Whenever we have Mm -hmm. uh, Chinese approval, essentially, is is kind of the issue. It's a little bit hairy, and I think basically a lot of the activity in the share price is indicative of that, you know, nobody really knows uh, what could come out of China on their decision making. It seems like, uh, you know, they're a little bit uncomfortable there from a policy perspective with companies getting, uh, so we say, too big for their britches perhaps. And so, of course, that would be a reason why antitrust concerns might be potentially an issue. But most people, I think, are trying to play essentially for that spread to narrow. And uh, AMD, I think also, we talked about it yesterday, is a stock that I'm interested in here as well.
2: Yep. Moving on, Tony says there's some trouble brewing in the defense stocks. He's laying out a way to take cover. Tony, take it away.
0: Yeah, Melissa, we've seen some weakness not only from industrials, but also those defense stops and, and Northrop Grumman today broke below some major support levels. And I think there could be some further downside. So if we first take a look at a chart of industrials, the sector relative to the market, we've seen that industrials have really underperformed the sector since June as one of the weakest sectors. Here at the moment. And then if we zo- zoom into North of Grumman right now, it recently broke below a pretty key support level around 355. And the, during this week, it's come back to retest that level multiple times, but it's been rejected. And I think what we've seen here is a completion of this just distribution top. And I think Northrop Brumman is headed down to about 335 or so targets to the downside. And if we look at the business itself, it's a fairly stable business. It's not, nothing particularly interesting about it. Very low single-digit revenue growth. It doesn't trade at a very rich valuation at only 17 times next year's earnings. So for those reasons, the trade structure that i'm choosing to use here is to sell a call vertical spread so i'm going out to the october 29th weekly options to find a call spread that's about 45 days to expiration and i'm going to sell the 350 365 call vertical collecting about $10.30 $10.30 for that at-the-money October 29th, 350 call option, and I'm buying the 365 calls against it for about $4.20 to offset my risk and reduce my, my total risk on this overall trade, and net-net here, I'm collecting about $6.10, which comes out to be about 40% of the vertical width, and I'm trying to take advantage of the somewhat elevated implied volatility that we currently see on Northrop to play for some, uh, a little bit of downside here. Uh, over the next uh, 45 days.
2: All right, Mike, what's your take?
4: Yeah, I mean, this isn't a stock I'm overwhelmingly bearish on, but I think the trade structure is also indicative of that. I mean, this is really a neutral to mildly, mildly bearish position that he's taking. Of course, the company's going to be reporting earnings, I think, on October 22nd, and that would be one of the reasons that the options that expire a week after that are going to see slightly elevated implied volatility and it makes sense to take advantage of that because this is not a company that has historically moved a great deal on earnings so i expect it to be probably a fairly non-event uh... so for that reason i I like the trade structure you know and the stock I I basically as carter will sometimes say i I view it as a pair of twos i guess
2: (laughs) So carter is it a pair of twos and is it in line with its peers or is it a standout
3: that's right it, it, it is a bit of a pair of twos, and, and yet, at the same time, it has that rollover cast, otherwise known as a bullish to bearish reversal that, that Tony referred to. One thing that's very important is, again, as cited, the relative strength, how poor it is to the industrial sector. But here's the thing. Its relative strength to its peers, which you asked, right, aerospace and defense like Lockheed and Raytheon and General Dynamics is even worse. So it's underperforming its sector, and it's underperforming its sub-industry group, which itself is underperforming the sector. Not a good setup.
2: All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cmbc.com And while you are there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next.
1: Hungry for some gains? Mike Coe is sinking his teeth into one restaurant stock. Reporting results next week. We're serving up that trade straight ahead. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Saturday,
3: CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.
2: Welcome back to Options Actions. Just about dinner time here on the East Coast. And if you're hungry for some big gains, why not dig into Darden restaurants? The company reports earnings on Thursday. The stock is up a sizzling 63 percent in the past year. If you think this red hot run is just getting started, you are in luck. Mike has got the recipe for one tasty trade. Take it away. Can't fit any more metaphors in there, Mike.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, people who are familiar with Darden are probably most familiar with their largest chain operation, Olive Garden Casual Dining. Of course, they also own some fine dining franchise, uh, restaurants as well, uh, probably a little over 1,800 restaurants in total. Now, this is, of course, a category of restaurants that would have struggled notably during the pandemic because they didn't focus a whole lot on things like takeout. That was obviously an area that was able to you know, better serve the the Needs essentially of McDonald's shareholders and the like. But they've really done a very good job operationally. So I actually expect to see their margins increase. They've done a good job sort of right-sizing the menu, right-sizing the workforce, streamlining their operations. And in fact, their margins are actually outperforming the peers. And May, we might see them actually report margins that are better than their pre-pandemic levels. So with that, I obviously like the stock. The issue, of course, that I have with going out and buying the shares right here is exactly what you pointed out, which is that the stock has had Quite a run already. So I think the way that we play this going into earnings is by buying a call spread. I was looking out to November, the 145. 145- 165 call spread when I was looking at that uh, and that isn't an in the money call spread I should say because the stock closed just under 150 is 149 and change or so uh, the idea is that I'm lowering my break even that 145 165 call spread that was going to cost me about seven dollars when I was looking at that today remembering of course that over four dollars of that is in the money already so the extrinsic premium that's the decay that you would have on this trade is actually less than three bucks Uh, from now to uh, expiration or thereabouts. So anyway, this is the way I think that we can take advantage of the fact that operationally they're doing all of the right things, but also being cognizant of the fact that the market's had quite a run, and so has this stock.
2: Carter, what do the charts say about Darden?
3: Sure. What we know is that there's real bifurcation going on among casual diners and restaurants. Look at the first of two charts. That's a comparative chart. And, of course, you see there that they're all ascending generally at the same rate of change. And then starting in the spring, March, April, they start to diverge. So you've got DRI, as you cited, up 63 percent for the year. This is a one-year chart. Versus, look at Texas Road up, up only 45, and EAT and Cracker Barrel up only 10. They've given back a lot of their gains. And so that holding in well circumstance for DRI is very impressive. The second chart is just the chart of DRI itself. And really, as is so often the case, it could be Xilinx, meaning Technical setups repeat. This is a stock that's toying with the prospects of breaking out.
2: Hmm. Tony, what's your what's your take on the trade?
0: Yeah, so Darden has held up surprisingly well, especially during the Delta variant surge that we've seen, especially as other reopening stocks have really suffered during this period. Uh, But if you look at the chart, it hasn't quite broken out from that 150 level yet, and that really is the opportunity for me. But if you look at the business, as Mike said, extremely strong business. We're looking at about 30% revenue growth this year. Mike referenced the improving uh, margins that we continue to see out of Darden. And the fact that it trades at only 20 times next year's earnings, which is a fairly significant discount to its peers I actually think is really the the opportunity and this is a stock that is prime for breakout on earnings and I specifically like Mike's trade where he's using an in the money debit spread because of the fact that we're trading near these highs and it's trading um, near these highs Uh, and the fact that he's his debit spread costing about $7 but it's almost $5 in the money the stock only has to rally about 2% from here in order for it to break even and he has all the way through November for that to happen so for those reasons I really like it. And especially since, you know, the implied volatilities here are so high, using a debit spread like this makes a lot of sense. The the upper strike that he's selling is collecting almost 25% of the premium that he's paying for those 145 calls. So he's significantly reducing his risk than outright buying calls going into this event.
2: All right. Up next, we are cruising into some magical lookbacks. They are hints to two big trade updates we'll bring you. Uh, when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Mike took us on a cruise.
4: In a situation like this, you own the stock and you're trying to figure out how to squeeze more out of it. You're not getting your dividends. What can you do? Well, one of the things we are seeing is elevated options premiums going into uh, earnings. And if you have a neutral sentiment and you're favoring income over the possibility of price appreciation, certainly one of the things you can try to look for is the opportunity to sell covered calls. I was looking out to October, the 25 strike calls. Those were about 77 cents when I was looking at those earlier today.
2: Since then, Carnival is up about 3.5%. So, Mike, what are you doing now?
4: Yeah, I mean, the stock's up 3.5%. Those calls are essentially right where they were. So basically, even though the stock's appreciating slightly, decay is taking care of the rest. They're going to report earnings. On the 8th, I think this is setting up perfectly well. So if you already owned the stock and you sold these calls against it, you're doing fine. And, of course, if you bought the stock and you sold those calls against it, you're actually up about 3.5 percent. But there's 3 percent of premium there and almost 9 percent of upside between now and October expiration. I think you stick with it.
2: All right. Meantime, Tony took us on a trip to the Magic Kingdom.
4: The stock has really
0: struggled since pretty much March, but I spent the last 4 months or so trying to build a base, and I actually think now is the time that it's primed for a potential breakout here now that it's been forming this base for the last 4 months. And I'm going out to the October, January 185 195 call diagonal where I'm buying the January 185 calls for about $11.75. And I'm selling the short-term October 195 calls against that uh, for about $2 or so.
2: Disney is pretty much flat since the trade. So, Tony, what are you doing now?
0: Yeah, so Disney has held up quite well, especially into today's sell-off here for the broader markets. And it's still holding that 180 level. So the diagonal that I was using is designed to give me bullish exposure through the end of the year. And as of right now, that is still the base case. So I'm holding on to this trade for now.
2: Yeah. Um, Carter, what's your take on the longer-term uh, trajectory of the stock?
3: Well, Disney is, uh, what, what would be the word, pair of twos, right? I mean, it's quiescent, huh. stuck in a range. Uh, but relative performance day-to-day is good, and so uh, the thesis remains.
2: Yeah. And, um, Mike, what's your take on the trade here at this point?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can stick with it. I mean, Disney has a lot of things that are working very well for them as, as a company. I mean, I think probably the biggest knock on the stock right here is that, you know, the valuations are uh, are not particularly cheap. But, of course, that's true for almost everything in the market right now.
2: All right. Up next, we're taking your tweets, so stick around. Options, actions, back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer has a question on FedEx. He writes, I believe the stock will bounce back at the beginning of next year with holiday season shipping. I was looking to sell the January 3.30 call and buy the March 3.30 call for the cost of about half a share. Tony, what's your thoughts on the trade?
0: Yeah, so this is certainly inexpensive at half a share, but it also means there's very low probability of success. If you look at those March 3.30 calls, that's about a 10 delta. That means there's only about a 10% chance that FedEx will be above 3.30 by expiration. So my suggestion is to move those strikes down a little, maybe to the 300 or 3.10 March calls, and then sell short, shorter-dated calls against it. If you sell the October November 3.30s and do it every single month, you'll end up collecting more money doing that than you could selling a longer-dated January 3.30 call.
2: All right. Our next viewer asks... The MasterCard chart looks weak, to say the least, with options being dollar expensive on the name. Can the traders recommend a trade to make a bearish bet, please? Maybe selling some premium if they agree with my technicals. Of course, Carter, (laughs) why don't you field this one?
3: Sure. Well, I'll address the technicals. You're exactly right. It is very weak. Uh, And, in fact, the options, I mean, stock closed at 343 and the October puts a 340s are at 750, uh, a bit rich. Uh, You would need to do a spread or a risk reversal. But uh, I'll leave it to the team to pick the precise and best trade.
2: All right, Mike, you get the honor. Pick the best and precise trade. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I mean, look, the uh, the the idea is that you, you know, you want to if you're getting long premium, try to choose things that are at the money or close to it, maybe even sometimes in the money a little bit. Uh, And typically I try to go about one standard deviation out on the short side if I'm going to work into a spread or something like that uh, for the short strike.
2: All right. Let's get to our next question on Biogen. What is going on with it? Any protection plays you see would be appreciated. So back to you, Mike. Any suggestions here?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we've seen is that skew has steepened significantly. That means the out-of-the-money puts have gotten more expensive, even while the at-the-money ones haven't gotten that much more expensive. And a lot of damage is already done. So for downside protection, I recommend put spreads. And if you're trying to offset more of that premium because it's not entirely free still, you could try to use a put spread collar that is selling an upside out-of-the-money call still maintaining some upside exposure.
2: All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.